You're listening to audio from Restoration Church. If you enjoyed the message and would like to get connected to our church, follow us on social media at Restoration Cambridge or at our website, restoration-church.ca. Send us a message and we would love to hear from you. It was just over nine years ago that a young couple who had no idea what they were doing Uh, I heard a loud, urgent, Aaron, I think we gotta go, from upstairs. It was about three in the afternoon, I think. If Nikki's in the room, she'll correct me. It was about three o'clock, maybe. Uh, And so a young man drove his wife to, uh, to Cambridge Memorial Hospital. And again, no idea what we were doing. And I was very quiet. You know, a new, new situation that I'd never been a part of. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. Uh, I don't even like hospitals. So I try to, if I enter a hospital, I'm trying to find the exit as quickly as I possibly can to get out of that hospital. Um, but we met our midwife there, and um, uh, in, you can feel sorry for me. I had to rub Nikki's back for like hours, you know. Uh, and uh, I don't know how she was doing, but I, my arms were getting really sore, you know, after hours of rubbing her back. And um, man, after some tense moments, and I'm assuming it, it not tense comparatively to other births, but just tense because that's what a birth is. It's a tense moment, especially the first one, uh, not knowing what to expect. I remember being so scared the whole time, making, like hoping that Nikki and what was soon to be Claire uh, would be okay. And, um, you know, seeing Nikki with this little baby in her arms... That's now who she is. And uh, we were really not prepared. I don't know how many manuals we read. I don't think we read many, any manuals on how to be parents. But we were a mother and a father, whether we were ready for that experience or not. That's what we were. And tears filled my eyes as you, you see this gift from God that I didn't deserve. Um, we didn't just come into being randomly. We've been designed as people. We've been designed with purpose. And what we do in life comes from who we are, who we were made to be. That's why this series we've been going through is so important, seeking to answer a really important question, who really are we? as human beings. Who are we? And I was going to take a break today and thinking, well, I'm just going to kind of give that, you know, kind of that typical Mother's Day message. You go to the psalm about the mother spreading her wings over her children that I think I've heard many, many times on Mother's Day, and there's nothing wrong with that passage. But I was going to take a break from our series, but as I got reading and You might be sick of it now. Hopefully you won't be because it's a really important chapter. But we're back in Genesis 1 today, okay? So if you've got a Bible, go to Genesis 1. That's where we're going to be. 
We're going to take a break, but as I got reading Genesis 1 and things I wanted to cover for the series, I thought this was really, really important, appropriate, not really just for mothers, but for all of us, but specifically for mothers. God has created us in his image after his likeness. In the image of God, he created us, male and female. He created us. That is who we are. As we've discovered week after week after week, this is who we are. That's what we call our identity. We've been created in the image and likeness of God, and that identity now determines what we do and the way we act in this world. For our identity always determines the task that we've been given. And the task we were given, if you look at verse 28, It says, and God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every seed with a tree with seed and its fruit, you shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the bread of life. I've given every green plant for food, and it was so. And very importantly, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. And let me read the seventh day, because we usually stop there. But this is kind of the culmination of everything. This is the way things were supposed to be. That's what's represented in the rest of God. In chapter 2, verse 1 to 3, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all the work, his work that he had done in creation. And it was good and it was so. And you'll notice that in the seventh day, there is no morning, there is no evening. This is the day where everything, this was how it's supposed to be. This was the day we were to live in eternal rest from everlasting to everlasting people with God enjoying life in his creation. That's who we are. So when God says, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it or rule over it, we represent God in the world and we enjoy the creation that he has given. But there's a really important part that I want to focus on today. Between who we are and what we do, God says something really important. Did you catch it in there? And which, by the way, there's babies crying. It's Mother's Day, so we, that should bring a smile to our face. Okay, we, we need to welcome that no matter what day, but we're going to welcome that. Um, between who we are and what we do, God does something really important. Did you catch what it is? What does God do? God says, you've been made in the image and likeness of God. You now go uh, multiply fill the earth and subdue it. What does God do between who we are and what we do? It's really important. The Lord blesses them. And then he says, go, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. It says the Lord blessed, or God blessed them. Blessing is one of those words that we use a lot. I even heard it said in, as people were coming in, you know, they say, you know, blessing be upon you, or bless your 
heart. There was even a funny hashtag, blessed, right, that everyone would put on Instagram. It's one of those words that we use a lot, but I don't know if we've, we know what it's supposed to be. I mean, maybe the thing that we use it the most on is, is what? Give me an example. How do we use the word blessed in our everyday life? Someone needs to sneeze at this moment, and then we're going to give you a, a bless you. I don't know the history behind that, but that's typically how we use. Or what's another way that we do, whether you're a Christian or not, people will, before Thanksgiving meal, what do we do? We bless the food. I don't really know what that's supposed to mean as we bless the food that we are about to partake. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. Again, it's one of those words we use, but I'm not sure we know what we're saying when we use it. More seriously, right, we as a church, we pray for God's blessing in our lives. You know, we did that last Sunday night. You know, last Sunday night for our event called Awaken, we gathered to first pray prayers of adoration, which was in worship of who God is, and then we prayed prayers of confession to reveal who we are before God so that we would be forgiven and made pure, and then finally we prayed prayers of intercession, which we were interceding on behalf of others. We actually filled out pieces of paper taped them to the wall, which was Nikki's. I had, a, I had another idea that, I, that didn't work, and Nikki came up with this idea and actually worked out much, much better than the idea I had. But we wrote things on a piece of paper. These are the, these are the things we want to pray for. And we taped them up on the wall and went all around, asked, and many of those papers said we want, we're praying for God's blessing in certain areas of life. That God would bring his blessing. I think what we are do, was we're wishing someone well. There's like a reality that we're wishing for, and we're hoping that that reality will happen, whether that's good health, you know, someone who might, you know, be diagnosed with cancer or something that they're going through. We, we say, God bless them. There's a reality that we're hoping is going to be granted. Or especially on Mother's Day, you have someone who's been trying to have a child, and you're asking God to bless them in that area, there's a reality, right, that we're asking God to do, that they would experience. That's really close to what blessing means. It's not that far off. There's a reality we want them to have, whether that's good health or just happiness in life. We're wishing it will happen. With God, when it says God blesses them, with God, it's different. He's not wishing something upon us. When God blesses us, it's like a pronounced blessing. Like it's when he speaks it, it happens. That's what God does. We don't have the ability for someone to have good health. Like I don't have that ability. I can pray to God that it would happen, but when God speaks and pronounces blessing, it's different than we pronounce blessing. It immediately becomes reality in that person's life. He's able to make it happen. Uh, if you ever, I would highly encourage you, because um, some, of, some of what I'm saying is coming from this, but I highly encourage you uh, to, if you haven't looked on YouTube, or you just go to the website, if you haven't followed Tim Mackey and the guys from uh, what's called The Bible Project, you need to. Amazing videos helping you understand scripture. 
they do one video called On Blessing. You got to look it up. So some of that, and I was reminded as I was hear, listening to Tim Mackey, he says this, where when God pronounces a blessing on someone, the reality immediately happens. It's like a minister at a wedding. You know, we might, I might go to someone's wedding and, and wish them a good marriage, or, you know, we might pray for a good marriage, but a minister, when he pronounces someone husband and wife, what are they? Their husband and wife. That is pronounced blessing. It immediately happens when they speak it. In the same way, God does that. When he speaks blessing upon us, it immediately becomes reality. And we simply receive the blessing. The word blessing in here, when it says, and God blessed them, it's the word barach, very, very similar to a previous president, interestingly enough. Barach or baracha would be blessing. The meaning is, is related to, to kneel. You kneel down because I think, the, my, my guess is that the posture when someone was receiving a blessing was to regularly kneel before someone giving the blessing. So what is the reality that we receive? then from God, as God blesses people and sends them out. What is the reality that we receive? Well, in the story of Genesis 1, which I won't go over it because we've gone over it a lot, the earth was created without form, void, darkness covered the face of the deep, and God speaks blessing upon creation. Light into, light from darkness, order from chaos, and God describes that blessing as good. God is the producer of life, of all life. Everything that you see and experience in your life that is good ultimately has been produced from God. That's what Genesis 1 is all about. God is the producer of all, of all life and all that is good and the world. The people you love in your life all have their being here in Genesis 1. God is the ultimate producer of life. Every, hey, this is, this is spring migration. Every black Bernian warbler, right, cat? Every scarlet tanager that you see, God is the producer of all that is good, all that we enjoy in life. He is the producer of life, which Kat said, told me that the hooded warblers are back at Alps Woods, okay? A rare warbler. They're back, okay? I haven't seen them yet, but I gotta go. God is the producer of life. But it's really important because God says to us, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. If God is the producer of life, what gift has he given us? We reproduce that life that God has given us. God is the producer, but he has given human beings the privilege, the blessing of reproducing the life that he has given to us. To fill the earth, obviously in context, with more people, they see little children running around to fill the earth with more people, but also to fill the earth with what we call the life of God, everything that is good 
in the world. That is what we reproduce. It doesn't come from me. It ultimately comes from God. But he says, by my blessing, I, you, you have the ability to reproduce that same life in the world. It's an amazing, incredible, life-changing truth, guys. That's who you are. You reproduce all that is good in this world. The gifts God has given you. God, who is creator, produces all that is good. And not only does he give that to us, but he says, we get to be a part of it, Aaron. You get to be a part of this. Like this creation story that I have written, that I have began, I'm asking you, in fact, not just asking you, I am calling you, this is who you are, to be a part of this story, to reproduce what I have started in Genesis 1, in your job, in your family, in your church. That's who you are as a person. As C.S. Lewis said, further up, and for, it's an incredible life-changing truth that God just doesn't say, okay, live, believe in me, and die. No, like there's so much to discover about God's goodness in this world. And I hate to use the Ontario slogan, who's ruined it, because Ontario is, pales in comparison to Genesis chapter 1, that there's more to discover in the goodness of God. Discover and share it with the people that are in your life. Share it with your children. I mean, parents, moms, dads, that's the job you have been given. Man, God has been so good to me, and I get to share that goodness with my children, that they would see the goodness of God in my life. To see the life of God in me, to reproduce that to your children. God is so good. Amen? We get to experience that over and over and over and over again as it multiplies and fills the earth and as as it teems with life. We get to simply enjoy the good things he gives from everlasting to everlasting. Not only do we just invoke the blessing, we get to celebrate it. We return the goodness of God back to him as he's given it to us. That's why in the Psalms, and we sing Psalms that say, bless who? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. What we're doing is we're not authority and God kneeling before us. We're simply returning the good gifts that he has given to us. Like celebrate the goodness of God and all that he is. This is blessing. It's life with God. It's so good. It's who you are, who you're always meant to be. And that then determines what you now do in this world. You know, in our image of Godness, God says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And there's something added for human beings after that that's different than every other creation. What does it say in verse 28? What else? And subdue it or rule it. This is part of the blessing that we've now been given a task with that goodness. See, I think what God, what is he saying is here is, Aaron, I've given you all of this to enjoy. And you're going to be responsible for it. Puts a little different weight on it, doesn't it? It's like a church, when you walk into a church, it's like, Calton, I've given you this church to enjoy, but there's a little different flavor when God says, and I'm holding you responsible for what happens in it. 
that that life you're experiencing, you'd protect it. That's what Genesis 1.28 says. You know, the family that you've been given, that you can experience the blessing of God, and you're going to be responsible for that. You know, that, that's the heartbeat behind any authority that is given in this life. You know, when, you can't get around it. In Genesis 1, we're given authority over cre- all of creation, over this world. Human beings were. Lions are the, the king of the jungle, and I wouldn't want to go face-to-face with a lion because I would die. <laughs> By the way, I knew once knew someone who was so high on himself that he thought he could literally fight a grizzly bear until you see a grizzly bear in your life, and they would, if they want to kill you, you're going to be dead in about 30 seconds, no matter how strong you are. But God has saying, no, you, I have given Men, women, male, female, crowns over all of creation. And I'm holding them responsible for the life that I have given. You're going to be responsible for what God has given. Elders, that's the heart of an elder in a church. You know, any authority given by God is not, okay, now I get to wield my influence. I mean, hey, it doesn't matter who we choose as the leader of this church. If someone's attitude is, I get to wield, now I get to wield my influence, we've lost. Like, that's not Christian leadership. Leadership is always, you're the one, the buck stops here. You're the one responsible for it. That's what being an elder means. That's why I have to take this really seriously, because the buck stops with me for what happens in this church. What happens in this church. If you're a manager, a boss, teacher, or mom, or dad in your family, God is saying, I'm holding, you get to enjoy the gifts that you're given. I'm seeing some heads shaking, like, like nodding in approval. But God is also saying, I'm holding you responsible for it. I've described myself before in the past as a soft complementarian, and I am. Well, actually, in the past, I probably, probably called myself a hard complementarian. Now I'm a soft complementarian, depending on what you mean by that. I do believe God is holding fathers, you accountable for what happens in your family, you responsible, and that's what it means to lead your family. So fathers, listen up. You get to enjoy that family that God has given you, but there's a weight attached to it. You are responsible for what happens in that family. That's what Christian leadership looks like. You don't get to exert power If you do, there's no blessing in that. Authority isn't about getting to do what you want. It's about how can I wield, it's not about how I can wield my influence. Leadership, responsibility is always always about I am responsible for the flourishing of the family or the people that I've been given. I'm responsible for their flourishing. And male and female, it says in the beginning, we're supposed to do this together. And I'm not ready to write a book about this. As I said, I am a soft complementarian. And I only say that because some people have asked me, where, Aaron, what, what is, I am a soft complementarian, which I even hesitate to use the word. Because I do believe there is a bit of a different call between men and women in this world. You know, women have been given this, even, even just the design of them have been given this task to give life. You know, Nikki was... She gave 
life. Gave, she used in, even her own body to give life to her children. That I didn't. And I wasn't able to. You know, late night feedings at three in the morning, I was, I can't do this. You know, I can, I'm there to help and to support. But God is called to give life. In fact, I've seen this in churches before where that wherever there's a lack of influence for women in the church, basically every time the church has been cold, dry, and afraid of new things, afraid of discovery, when it's very male-dominant. I believe, men, God has called you protect, to protect the life you've been given, the lives you've been given, to lay down your life for your families, your communities, like Jesus did. And when you see that happen, where men and women coming alongside of one another to give and protect life, the blessing of God, it's such a beautiful thing. It's such a precious thing. This is the blessing. It's a great responsibility, though, that God has given to us. The responsibility did hinge on something, though. And it wasn't their level of skill or knowledge from the beginning. What did Adam and Eve know? They didn't know much. And what did Nikki and I know? We didn't know much. So thankfully, the blessing of God was, did not hinge on your skill or your knowledge. What did the blessing of God hinge upon? Whether they would trust God. Will you trust me? in this, with this blessing. Whether they would trust God. Wasn't like Eve and Adam fell because they didn't know what they were doing. No. They didn't know what they were doing. It's because they lost trust in their God. That's what their responsibility hinged upon. Whether they would trust God. This is what the blessing always hinges upon. And if the blessing in the crux of the blessing is life with God, as soon as that relationship is broken, we don't call it a blessing anymore. What do we now call it? A curse. And unfortunately, you flip the page and that's exactly what happened. As soon as that relationship, the trust in that relationship is broken, we don't call it a blessing anymore. We call it a curse where that life now becomes death and that with Godness becomes separate from God. And just as the blessing is a proclaimed reality now, the curse is the same. A proclaimed reality of now the, what we walk through in life. So is the curse. I want to look at this quickly because I think it's important, especially on today. Go to Genesis 3, verse 16. I hesitated to say this, but I thought it was important. I want you to notice that in the curse in Genesis 3, I'm not going to read all over it. God doesn't curse people. In Genesis 3. He actually doesn't curse Adam and Eve. What does God curse? 
in Genesis 3? Does anyone know? He curses the serpent. What else does he curse? The ground. So now the world that you live in is going to be cursed. He doesn't curse people. He curses the ground that we walk on. It's like the proclaimed reality that, that what we now live in, the reality you live in, there's going to be active things that happen that we call sin, but there's also going to be passive things that happen to us that we walk through where we're not experiencing the blessing of God, we're experiencing the reality of the curse. Because there's a separation from God. And there are active and passive consequences as we live in that reality that, yes, we will sin, but also the passive that not just sin, but everything now will be hard. It will be difficult to walk through. It won't be easy anymore. That's what he says, the toil, the way that you work, it's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. And verse 16, he says this, to the woman, he said, I, sure, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing, and in pain you shall bring forth children. I want to clarify something from here. Because I believe that this means something a little different than what we might think it means. For one, when it says pain in childbirth, the word that is used there isn't specifically, meant, isn't specifically for childbirth. It's around the whole child process. It's around the whole reproductive process of the same word is used in conception and labor. And the word pain isn't just physical pain, but the same word that is used for work. And it, it's going to be toil. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. What I believe the reality that God is bringing out here in Genesis 3 is that the around the entire reproductive life going to be hard. The consequences are going to be hard. May we see that actively. There's things like abuse that happen, abandonment, polygamy. You see that in Genesis immediately. As soon as the curse happens in Genesis 3, it's like the first several people around the whole area of birth and reproduction, things go really badly. And you see it all happen in Genesis. And there's active sin that happens around that whole thing. But then there's passive reality that we still experience today, right? That they experience in Genesis that we still experience today, things like infertility, miscarriage, child loss, disease. Where there's not anyone to blame, but that's the reality that we live in in a fallen world. There's nothing wrong with a person, but there's something very wrong with the world in the world that we live in. In its fallenness. I hesitate to say this even, but like, I got it. When you want something that's so good, and it's not given to you. That's hard. Now we talk about as we talk about as Christians, like you know, you, should, you know, we talk about wrong desire, you know, wanting things that are wrong. But man, when you want something that's so good, and it's not happening, that's a lot harder. 
but that's the reality we live in. Our hope is that within that curse, God does make a promise that we cling to, that blessing would still be possible in that curse. To a man named Abraham, God says, through you, I'm going to bless every nation on earth. My blessing will extend to every corner of the world through you. Somehow that blessing was still going to be possible. Of course, we know that one did come through Abraham, a human being who described a pronounced reality, who walked in the middle of the curse, but said things like, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons and daughters of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Blessed, blessed, blessed. In the middle of that curse, as that man walked in the middle of that curse, he said the blessing of God is still possible. You can still experience, it's here for, yours to, for you to experience. And that same man became a curse and was put to death. So the curse itself would be put to death, put to death so that the blessing could spread through him to every corner of this world. To eventually when he returns in Revelation 22, which I know is Jared's favorite chapter, is my favorite chapter of the Bible as well. Revelation 22, which is the culmination of all things, where one of the key one of the key words that is spoken in Revelation 22 and verse 3 says, no longer will there be any curse. It will only be blessing. That's the reality that we walk into. Right now as we walk in the middle of this curse though, the blessing of God is offered to us. But again, it didn't hinge on how much you know. It didn't hinge on the skill that you obtain, you have, what does it hinge upon? Do you trust me? Jesus says, do you trust me with your life? Because through me is the blessing of God in you. Through me is life. God, thank you so much for your word. We all feel the curse, some more than others this morning. We feel the consequences of what happens in this world. And most of the time, there's nothing we can do to control it. In fact, we're not called to even control it. We're called to trust. Thank you for the call to reproduce life in this world that we're responsible for. 
the mothers, the fathers in this room who have been given families, but not just mothers and fathers, all of us in, in this church family, as we see children running around, as we see people, as Jen said, as there's, there's older women looking at younger women, God is saying, I'm holding you responsible for this. Life is there for you. It's for you to experience. Do you trust me? This church is such a blessing. May we hold ourselves as you hold us responsible for it. All of these families, people that are in this room, precious gifts that you've given to me in my life. Do I trust you? The blessing is there to be experienced. Lord, I pray that we would just experience it. Bring your blessing upon us, God. We know you can. We ask, Lord, those that are going through things like miscarriage, things like infertility, loss in life, bring your blessing upon them, God. We beg of you. There's nothing we can do. Bring your blessing. Bring life to those situations. We desperately need it. God, bring your blessing to our city. Man, the darkness, the sorrow in our world, the brokenness in our world, God, bring your blessing. Shower your blessing. Lord, may now we reproduce the life of God not only in our homes, but in our communities. With the neighbors that are right beside us, may we reproduce the life of God in our community. For we are responsible for it. Do this in us, God, we beg you. I pray for this in your name, amen.